Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Did you know you were created for purpose? And then those of you that have been born again, you were born again or redeemed for purpose. So I don't know of anything that has enriched my life more than knowing that I have purpose. And I honestly can say, if you discover that God has purpose for you, it will change your life. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. It's our joy to be with you this weekend. And we're going to do something today shaped for missions. Now, the word shape is we use as an acrostic. And Nathan, you first heard it from who? Several years ago, reading Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren, I ran across the idea of the idea of having a shape for ministry and for purpose in life. And so I don't know if Rick Warren came up with it or if he does like he talks about creativity is the art of plagiarizing, uh, <laughs> doing it well. So well, I gave you credit the first time well, I used it. So we're just plagiarizing yeah, from one another, yeah. I guess. And you've heard this, haven't you? You know, you can always say, Nathan Harper said, then I'll, the next time I'll say, I've heard it said. The third time I can say, well, like I've always said. Mm-hmm. Now, no, we're not giving you credit, but that's, that's <laughs> a little humor. But shaped for mission. And we really believe that every believer is shaped for mission, Nathan, that you're not left here just to exist, but you have the great purpose, and the greatest purpose in the world is to know him and make him known, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, it's the greatest joy, it's the purpose that we, we have been given, and literally we have been given a shape that we can specifically do that in our own unique, special way. There's not a cookie-cutter God doesn't, you know, he doesn't, when he makes people, he doesn't do it like we make cookies. Aren't you, know? you glad he didn't make two Burt Harpers? <laughs> well, that's, that, that is, uh, we're all thankful. For <laughs> we're all thankful. <laughs> but let me read this passage of scripture. It's from Psalm 139, 13 through 16. And, and it's talking about our body, yes. But I want you to understand part of that body is how he's made us and why he's made us and the, for the purpose. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Nathan, that passage always just touches my life, especially that I was being formed in utter seclusion. God knew me before anybody else knew me. And uh, that's the God we serve. And he loved me even then. And that's the good news. But he loves us enough to save us, but he loves us enough to use us. You want to be used of God. And we're on mission for God. So we want to talk about that. And using the word shape as an acrostic, 
would you mind going over those areas? We're not talking about your shape in your body or your shape uh, emotionally. We're talking about your spiritual shape. Would you mind sharing those with us? Yeah. So just think of the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, and each letter represents an idea. So S is we're talking about spiritual gifts. H, we're talking about heart. Another word for heart would be like your passion, okay, something you're passionate about. A stands for abilities. That could be talents. That could be skills that we have acquired, so abilities. P represents our personality, our temperament, how emotionally and how we relate to other people, so personality. And then E is experiences, and we've all had lots of different experiences, and God uses each experience. He doesn't waste anything. Each experience goes into the mix of who we are, and God is shaping us. Using those things, there's other ways that God shapes us, but we want to look at those five elements specifically today. So in a lot of churches and in denominations, even missions, they think, well, I can't teach, I can't preach, I can't sing, so God can't use me. Nothing could mm-hmm. be further from the truth, is it? Yeah, that's, that's a lie. It's um, a lie. And unfortunately, we've been echoing that lie either to ourselves or even our churches, just because we maybe fail to look at things creatively enough or see the big picture or just we, we, tr- we put too many, we put ourselves in a box, we try to put God in a box, and we try to limit what we or God can do or what we think God can do in us and through us. And I think God wants to, I pray even use this program to uh, maybe blow some of our minds and I hope and open too. us up, get us out of that box. Yes. We've come to the point where I want to say, let me ask you this, say it this way. Missionally, what's the most important? What takes place while you're worshiping or what takes place after you have worshiped? Missionally, which one is the most important? It's the obedience. It is. It's putting the feet to the road and it's not just the lip service, it's a life service. God says, I don't want your lip service. I don't want your empty worship. I want your uh, full worship, fulfilled worship of doing what you're claiming, putting it into practice and obedience. So when you come to church and you sing, praise God. When you come and you hear a message that blesses you, challenges you, helps you, praise the Lord. But if it does not translate into you carrying it out into your everyday life in your home, there's an example. David, when they were bringing the ark up, of course, they had trouble the first time and someone died. And three months later, he had done his Bible study and prayed about what God, how to do this. And during that time, a man called Obed-Edom, one of my favorite characters in all the Bible, his household was blessed because the ark was dwelling at his house. And David went to get it, and they brought it home with great fare. And they, the journey was part of the worship. Yeah. They did not wait until they got to Jerusalem. And for the tent that Paul, uh, that uh, David had prepared, they journeyed on their way. They worshipped on their way. But yeah. the sad part, when he got home, his wife met him at the door and just started criticizing for his worship. I hope you don't do that with people. I hope. You know, let God fulfill his purpose just because they don't do it like you do 
And just because it's not your preference doesn't mean that God is not using it. So we want to talk about your shape. And the first one, again, uh, is spiritual gifts, Nathan. I know there's spiritual gifts, inventories, tests, but I agree with Rick Warren, who used to say and started this, the best way to discover your spiritual gift is start serving. Start serving, and you'll find out what gifts God has gifted you with, won't you? I agree. And we don't go far enough. When we talk about spiritual gifts, first of all, we've all been gifted spiritually through the Holy Spirit. He's giving gifts to each of us that are to be used. And and that's the part we kind of leave off. We just want to discover them. You know, we want to take this test or or figure it out. <laughs> so hey, we can have a good discussion right. with somebody, right? Yeah, that's I I'm, you know, I've been I'm a I'm a teacher or I'm an administrator or I'm a whatever fill in the blank of what spiritual gift you prefer and we we tend to leave it at that. The whole point of spiritual gifts is to use them, is to be useful, is to uh serve and actually do something, not just discuss it. And Paul makes sure through his book in 1 Corinthians and Romans that everybody that's a follower of Christ know that the Holy Spirit has equipped them with spiritual gifts. Let me just read these scriptures, part of these. 1 Corinthians twelve seven. it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he will. And then in Romans 12, 3, as God has dwelt to each one a measure of faith. Each one's the repeated phrase there that you look for. Each one, that means every believer that has come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, he has equipped them. Now, we need to know the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Romans 6, 23, for the wedges of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But the good thing about the Spirit is not only do you, when you get the gift, he brings gifts to you, yeah. and they're called spiritual gifts. And it's almost like this is kind of how I imagine it, and if this is helpful, then great. The way I, I imagine spiritual gifts kind of operating in individual believers' life is you know, when you're saved, when you trust in Jesus as Lord and repent of your sins and put your faith in, in his work on the cross, his spirit indwells you. So that's the gift of God. You've been given that eternal life through the spirit. The spirit that indwells in you has all the gifts. Everything that God can do is there in the spirit. But he kind of activates certain gifts certain aspects of all the things that God can do, he activates some of those in each individual believer. And the things that he activates in my life are going to be different than the things he uh, activates in your life. And we can call those spiritual gifts if you want. I don't know if that helps. That's kind of how I picture it. Well, it's graces that God gives us, and he does activate them. And that's the reason you got to have the gift of God before you have the spiritual gifts of the Spirit. Because you, you can't operate, those spiritual gifts are not there without the gift of God, the, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He brings them with him, as you said, and then he activates. Now, people have tried to divide spiritual gifts up into so many categories. Right. And I, again, don't you think that I've got that down line? But I know there's at least two. There's the serving gifts and then the speaking gifts, Nathan. 
The serving gifts has to do with working of miracles, discerning the spirits, giving, able to lead, showing mercy. Those are serving gifts, and you serve others. And it's always for the benefit of the church. Yes. It's it's not to make you feel better about yourself. Oh, I'm serving. But it's for the benefit of those that God has connected you with, aren't they? Yes, it's for the building up of the body. It's not the tearing down and not the uh, building up of yourself. It's the building up of the church. And when you do this, let me just share with you, uh, these gifts, if I say they're for the benefit of the church, doesn't mean they operate within the walls of the church. Let me just give practical, some practical things I've seen of this. I had a lady in a church where I pastored, and she was homebound, but she could bake cakes. And she would bake cakes, and her husband would carry them to a shut-in, would carry them to a neighbor that had moved nearby, carry them to a family who had moved their membership to the church where they were members, where I pastored. And that she would do that, and she had the gift of bacon, and it was a her spiritual gift was that of encouragement, mm. and she used those, and she'd usually write a note with them to encourage them. And then I had another lady growing up before I knew anything about spiritual gifts. Her name was Ms. Grissom, and Ms. Grissom, I, I'm a farm guy, and so we had corn that would come in early on, and they would have it for cooking. And Ms. Grissom, in places, calling people and saying, come get your corn, she would go out and pull the corn, she would shuck the corn, she would silk the corn, and then she'd bring it to her neighbors and say, I didn't know if you want it creamed or on the cob, you can decide that, but Mm -hmm. here's you a mess. They called it a mess of corn, whatever a mess is. (laughs) It's about 10 or 12 years is all I know, Nathan. And I remember that as a young boy seeing her and seeing that, and after I became an adult and started looking at spiritual gifts, I saw this. And these people can be used in mission. The, yeah. they, she carried them to all the neighbors, those that were saved and those that were lost. And she carried them in the name of the Lord God. And she was on mission serving him with that spiritual gift. Yeah, there's lots of, uh, you know, we, we tend, when we think of missions and being a missionary, we, again, we try to put that in a box, and we have a very limited, narrow view of what that really entails. But I have, I know missionaries all over the world, and they have a various degree of spiritual gifts. They're not all preachers. They don't, a lot of them don't even have what you would say would be a speaking gift. They have service type gifts behind the scenes. Some of the most effective, fruitful missionaries I know, their gifting is in behind-the-scenes type things. They're administrators. I mean, believe it or not, there are mission agencies and even churches and just their missionaries on the field. What I would used to have called them back in, you know, when I was, I guess, mean and in high school or junior high, I'd have called them a nerd, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so there's some nerdy missionaries. And you know what they do? Some of them are like accountants, and they keep checkbooks and, and accounts and things all in line and balanced for other mission for their mission team. Some of them are researchers and they count. There's a lot of counting going on and they 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 check and they do a lot of research on uh, people groups and knowing where they live and how many live in this village. Got to survey that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, a lot of so there's a lots. I'm I'm just those are just a few examples, but my point is the mission field, the need for 
people of all gifts, all these spiritual gifts that God has given his people, the mission field needs all of those Amen. in operation. And the speaking gifts, they're, I mean, preaching, teaching, they're real. Evangelism, speaking, pastoral instruction. You know, you have those that are more evangelistic yeah. and those that are more. But We need th- counselors. There's pastoral care yes. is a great need on the mission field. So many missionaries burn out. A lot of the reason is they don't have anybody to talk to about their unique, specific needs. But having a pastorally gifted couple or individual, they can go to them and say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. You know, missionaries struggle with regular stuff. Hey, I'm, I'm depressed. Can I talk to you about that? There's so much need. And the writing is part. When we talk about speaking, we're also talking about writing. Yeah. And we're talking about in a day with the Internet, there's so much out there. So God wants to use you. You're shaped for mission with your spiritual gift, but you're also shaped for mission with your heart, your passion. Nathan, usually your passion comes with a ministry, a place, a group of people. Paul, let me just share this with Paul had a heart for Israel. His prayer for Israel was that Israel would be saved. And he said, even said, I wish myself accursed if only Israel could be saved. Mm. That was his heart for the things of God. How about Barnabas? Let's let's talk about Barnabas okay. a minute. Seemed like he had a heart for young believers. Yeah, or, or maybe the down and out. The down and out. The yeah. forgotten ones. I mean, but think about Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. Who found Saul? and brought him to the church in Antioch. It was Barnabas. It was Barnabas. Yeah, it's almost like he was forgotten and pushed aside by the apostles in Jerusalem for Barnabas a while. didn't forget people like that, did he? No. And uh, so he went and got Saul and brought him to Antioch, and they ministered there. And there's no doubt that Barnabas was his mentor and sharing with him and introducing him. You remember Barnabas comes up, but before that, you remember he's the one that is sent from Jerusalem to Antioch to find out what's going on up there. Who did they send? They sent Barnabas. Why? Because they knew he could find out and he could look and he could see. Isn't it amazing to have that part of the heart is finding those that God can use mm. in churches. And we we find out they have a heart. But Paul Barnabas also was the one on the second missionary journey. Paul was going to say, John Mark, you bailed out us on on the first one. I'm not arguing with who was right or who was wrong. I just know God took it and used it for good. Yeah. And who did who did Barnabas choose to yeah. take? He grabbed John Mark and said, come on, let's go. That young guy. Yeah. And then if you remember the rest of the story, when Paul is in prison and he's writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy, bring John Mark with you. I have need of him right now. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord for Barnabas. Yeah. And, and so part of the heart is, it may be for young believers, but it also may be age groups. Have you noticed that yeah. age oh, groups, yeah. the the child evangelism, youth evangelism, senior adult ministry is one of those things. It is, and what we're finding now, I've seen a few things about this recently, is that talking about evangelism, there's a great need in the U.S. right now for senior adult evangelism. Have If you don't believe this, all you have to watch is your local television station and see how many of them are promoting senior adult care. Yeah. And that the number it is because the baby boomers after World War II, my age group, many of them have entered into elderly care now. 
and there's so many of them, the need is great. So yeah, being I mean, on mission for God and caring for them and sharing the gospel. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy, but there's a need right now. For I mean, maybe it's you, you're listening. We need some senior adults to retire, some retired couples to move to Florida, find a retirement community, move in, build relationships with neighbors, learn to play shuffleboard, and share the gospel and plant churches. Um, there's a need for that. They're moving far. Do you remember the interview we did with a pastor who who was bivocational and he and his wife retired? Yeah. And then they went on mission for God because they said our over our overhead is so much less than someone who has a family three or four and they've got to raise the funds for five or six people. And we basically they said most of our funds are already covered by what we retired on and we're able to go. They were in good health, they were yeah. ready, and they were serving the Lord. We was hoping that would be a, a, a new idea in people's lives, in missions. Yeah. So have a heart for that. So if you're elderly, quote elderly, 62 and above, isn't that horrible to call <laughs> it that way? Now, I may get a lot of emails on that one, Nathan. Okay. We'll find out. But anyway, and you have the opportunity to retire from your vocation early, and you've got a heart for people, what a time in your yeah. life to serve the Lord. Yeah. And God can give give you that heart. And it, and it could be not just for age group. It can be for people groups. People group, uh, a location. Do yeah. you remember Caleb? He wanted what? That mountain. Mm. Not any mountain. He specifically. Remember, he outlived. He and Joshua outlived because they said, we need to go into the land right now. And I'm not no I'm not so sure Caleb had no mission for that. He said, I want that mountain. That's where the giants are, that's where they are. I want to go into the hardest place you have. Yeah. We have some people that are, are adventurous mm-hmm. and their heart is adventurous. And so they go into some difficult places because they have a heart for an unreached people group yeah. that let let's talk about the Ecuadorian ministry that Jim Elliott, Nick Saint, and those three other missionaries they were called to Ecuador, and they were already reaching people. Yeah. But they found this people, unreached people group, they had a heart for. Yeah. And they would make all preparations to get them there. Now, they died, but what happened to the next generation? They all came, yeah. they came to know Christ. And so, but he had a heart for a location. Notice how God did that. He first said South America. Then they zeroed in on Ecuador, and then they zeroed in on that people group, that tribe of unreached people. I think God shows you your passion that way. It may start out general, but it may be pointed toward a specific thing. Yeah, I agree. Let me ask you this, and we'll probably end up making two parts of this. Yes, we're going to have part two of your shape for um, missions. But at this point, I'm even thinking— there's probably lots of Christians in churches, maybe even people listening today to this program, and they might be thinking, how do I, how do I begin praying that God will show me how I'm spiritually gifted? How do I begin, how do I pray that God will show me my, what, what, what I have a passion for? Maybe I don't feel like I have a passion for much of anything. My life just consists of getting up, going to work, coming home, eating, going to sleep. Maybe there's not much time to develop a heart for much of anything other than just surviving. 
How do we go about discovering that, starting on that process? We know God will grow your heart. You can grow even in your giftings, in your spiritual gifts. What would you say is the best way to start that? You start where you are. You have to bloom where you're planted. Just know that. You don't have to leave. You may be called on to leave later, but you don't have to leave. You bloom where you're planted. And you start by serving. If I'm a person that is working sometimes two jobs and they're looking at it, take time to have some Bible study time. Read the scriptures. And people say, well, I don't know how. There is a way to, you can read the scriptures. Read the Bible and read until you see something that kind of comes out at you. And God will use that. When I was called, quote, called to the ministry and I didn't want to do it, Nathan, and I started reading scriptures, I started reading them because I, so I knew you know where else to go. And every word seems like every time I'd get to the word go or preach, it was like a light would go off. God uses his word to call us. Mm -hmm. So stay in his word and then serve somewhere. I don't care if it's on your way home. Stop somewhere and do a service for someone. Stop and, and do good for people and find out which one gives you greatest pleasure. Uh, If you go to church, find out, uh, you know, get qualified to work in child care Get qualified to work with the children. Get qualified to work with the youth. Go to the youth director and say, do you need anybody to to do this or that or adults? So you try and you do. Yeah, you can take a gift. You can take a test. You can take an assessment. But I think the greatest way is to get out there and serve. Notice we were talking about Paul and Barnabas earlier. Guess where God called them from? They were in Antioch serving when God called them out to go somewhere else. And so in your service, yeah. and you was talking about just existing, listen, I think I we understand that. We know people yeah. that do that. And there's usually times in our lives that all of us do that. Right. And during that period of time, take time for the word, take time, and don't be afraid to be evaluated. Don't be afraid to ask someone that you trust and you love, what do you see in me that I have because we have so many yeah. blind spots that yeah. we don't we don't see it, but other people sees that heart that we have for for people. Yeah, and so I would say three things: stay in the Word, find some way to serve somewhere, and ask an evaluation. Barnabas went and got Saul. Did he know that? I'm not so sure he knew what all Saul had, or Saul had what he had, but Barnabas saw it. So someone besides yourself may see what's in there. Yeah. So you're shaped for mission, your spiritual gift and your passion, your heart. What motivates you? What moves you to? Yeah. I, I know I, I remember when I found out mine, when I, I preaching is not mine. Speak, encouragement is mine. Yeah. Just encourage someone to go after what God has for you. Yeah. Real quickly, I'll share part of my passion is knowing right now there are people around the world, thousands of people groups, millions of people who do not have access to the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. That motivates me. That's part of my heart to see those people come to know Jesus because Jesus is worthy of their worship. Amen. Have you discovered your passion? Passion that the world may know of the good news of Jesus Christ 
Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. Nathan, thank you, brother. Thank you. We hope you have a great day as you serve the Lord and as you find your passion for God. 